drink water from a fountain of living water or drink water from a broken cistern. If ever there was a no-brainer choice presented to us, it seems like this one is it, doesn't it? I mean, hands down, we'll take living water every time. Just saying broken cistern, it sounds bad. We don't want water in anything broken, whether we know what a cistern is or not. Or do we? What if what we think is living water isn't? What if it's actually a broken cistern? What if what we think is pure and satisfying, thirst-quenching goodness is really nothing more than muck and mire, leaving us thirsty and searching for more? In today's episode, we're going to explore just that, asking the question, am I running to the fountain of living water, or am I running to a broken cistern? Thirty-five thousand decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, others are paradigm shifting. But how many are we making? And we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion. She chooses as a place purpose to help women harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us courage to make the one that leads to obedience to His plan, the one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that he's laid out for each of us. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me at She Chooses where together we work intentionally to choose Jesus over and over again. Hey friends, do me a favor. If today's episode speaks to your heart, share it. Share it with a friend or consider leaving an Apple podcast review. When you do, you raise She Chooses in the search results of others, making it easier for them to find. We were made to worship. Every single one of us worships something. When our worship is focused on Jesus, we find fulfillment. When our worship is focused on things of this world, we find something more like strife, stress, yearning, searching for more. This leads us to the question, if we're not worshiping God, then what? If you've never stopped to ponder this question, today is the day. Whether you've been walking with Jesus your whole life or you really maybe haven't made your mind up just yet, you still need to know, what am I worshiping? And maybe you're not quite sure how to find out. If that's the case, we need to take some time. You need to take some time to consider and pray over asking yourself a few different questions. What's the passion of my life? Where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my money? What am I devoted to? What motivates me? What is the thought that controls my life? Examining these questions, it does a lot when it comes to revealing what it is that we're bowing to. As Christians, we know we were made to worship God. Our gift of free will and our humanity, however, can leave us misplacing that worship, focusing it on things of this world, 
choosing man-made things and ideas rather than Jesus. Which leads us to today's focus. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Before we dig into this, though, let's do a bit of backtracking. Jeremiah, he's a prophet of God. Prior to Jeremiah speaking these words, super quick, missing out on a whole lot of goodness, but trying to keep things short, God brought Israel out of bondage of Egypt. As he did, he laid out for them how their relationship with him should look. He did this by giving them the law and teaching them that he was to be the center of their life. Reading further, we find in their obedience, Israel proved to be a strong nation. Their strength would grow, and as that strength was growing, so would their prosperity. But as their prosperity grows, their trust in God, it begins to wane. In this process, we see them begin to exchange God's plans for an idol. And it happens time and time again, and we see it played out so often in Scripture that it can bring us to a point of frustration where we are shaking our heads wondering, why can these people not just get it? But when it comes to our own life, it's really easy to allow this to play out, which is exactly what we see Jeremiah talking about in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Again, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let's dive in. Water is a big deal. It's a life-giving source that we depend on. I was looking the other day to see, you know, how is this podcast going? Where is this podcast being listened to? And what I found is it's being listened to in many different countries around the world. So if you're listening to this in an area of the world where you've got easy access to a water supply, it's something we can easily take for granted. Living in the state of Illinois my entire life, I can tell you I've never turned on a faucet and questioned whether or not water was going to come pouring out. For the most part, where I live, it's easily accessible. We have it in our homes, around our homes, and it's even bottled and found in coolers and shelves of most of the stores that we shop. Unless we're on a hike or going camping, it's not something I typically spend a lot of time making sure it's available and is providing for our need. This convenience is a blessing, but it's also something that can cause us to lose its value. We see water available all the time, and if by chance we don't, we can easily find a stand-in of coffee, soda, juice, milk. Those stand-ins, however, they don't match the thirst-quenching ability of pure water, the water that our bodies were made to consume, which really parallels to the frustrating behavior we see in those Israelites, right? When they prospered, they seemed to lose the value of our Heavenly Father, quickly going to the next stand-in, if you will, finding time and time again that those stand-ins just didn't have that thirst-quenching ability as their creator, as our creator. Back to the water, though. Whether it's easily found or not, it is a necessity for life. Easy access to it is not the case for everyone, though. 
going to church as a kid, there was a missionary to Africa that would come and, and she would visit occasionally. And each time she would mention their need to help the people in their area to gain access to fresh water. Prior to her, I had never realized that this was another person's reality. I would leave those services in sort of an awe, thinking, you know, how horrible that must be to have to be intentional, strategizing where you're going to find it and how you're going to access it, which makes me think of the cryptic way those of us that have an ample supply of water can read Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. If that's our reality, we can really be left scratching our head, feeling numb to the words, wondering, what's the big deal? Which is actually, it's precisely the problem. But to people who live in parts of the world like this, and the people that Jeremiah spoke to, they knew well the value of living water. They grasped fully the depth of these words. Understanding the depth of these words is a necessity and makes digging for understanding absolutely worth it. Ancient cities were built around water supply, a living water supply. Water used to be their first priority when looking for a place to build. It was life-giving. It is still life-giving. The scripture references living water. Living water is running water. A river or a spring, a brook, a creek, it has a source that's continually pouring into it. Remember that. As cities began to grow and prosper in population, they would get to this place where this, the water supply couldn't sustain them any longer. So they began hewing out cisterns, actually carving them out of rock. These cisterns were man-made reservoirs that held runoff water from the rain. It would take months maybe even years of sweat-inducing physical labor to carve these things out. When you look to Jerusalem, you find they are all over that city. These cisterns, though they seem to be solving the problem, they actually led to some issues. First, these cisterns, although seeming to solve the problem, led to issues. The water within them can become stale. It becomes a place where mold and algae starts to build up. The second issue you can run into with a cistern is a fracture in the rock. One fracture in the rock can cause it to be worthless. However, the people wouldn't know its integrity until the rains actually came. Sometimes the rain came and they found at that point, after all the work, those months, all those years, that it couldn't hold any water. You wouldn't know this until the work had already been done and the investment was already made. The third issue you can run into with a cistern is they crack in extreme heat. You might be thinking, Jessica, this is 2021. I know pure water when I see it. This is not relevant at all. My challenge to you, though, is it is harder to identify than we think. My husband and I, we have water brought into our home. After years of doing this, we decided to try to find a more convenient solution. This led us to have someone come in and analyze the water that comes through our faucet. We were astonished at all the stuff in there that we couldn't see with our own eyes. And that led us to put in a water system that serves as a filter, attempting to catch as much of that impurity as possible to help keep our family's water supply pure. My point in sharing this with you, an initial look at the water coming from our faucet would cause one to think it's pure. 
while a closer look revealed there's things in there we were not okay with our family consuming. The same is true when it comes to what we look to satisfy us. Perhaps what we think is a fountain of living water is actually a source of impurity that had we spent time analyzing what we were consuming, we would be repulsed to find and actually turn away from. It can be difficult to discern. And this difficulty to discern between the two isn't something that's new. In fact, it's proven difficult clear back to Eve, way back in the garden. We don't hear about broken cisterns until Jeremiah, but you better believe they've been in existence since the beginning, right with her. Eve tried to drink from a broken cistern as she allowed lingering thoughts to cause her to eat of that fruit. We do the same, a lingering thought, a yearning for fulfillment, a thirst we're looking to quench, if we're not careful, can lead us to reach for the wrong fruit, to worship at the wrong source. Remember, Proverbs tells us there are two voices that are crying out. One is wisdom and the other is folly. Which is the loudest in our ear? This happened to Eve when she entertained conversation with the serpent. The serpent craftily dropped a thought in her mind. She allowed that thought to linger and that lingering opened her to a place where she thought maybe God's plan wasn't the best plan. She thought, Perhaps God is withholding something good from me. Maybe it won't hurt if I just try this out. Innocent, really, when you boil it all down and try to stand where she stood. Eve thought she found the answer like we think we found the answer when we look to things other than Jesus to fill us. But she failed to discern between the fountain of living water, which is God's plan, and the broken cistern of the fruit. That tree of life has freshness in its name. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, it has muck and mire stamped all over it, doesn't it? Yet Eve reached for it to satisfy her, just as we quickly do without even considering what is the source we're reaching for. We all have a gaping hole inside of us, and that hole can only be filled by Jesus. It's this emptiness within that's actually a spiritual thirst We'll do anything to quench it. The problem, though, is we've lost our lack. The problem is we've lost or we lack the understanding of how to fill it. Jesus tells us plainly he's our source. Yet here we are at times going anywhere but because we just want the emptiness filled. We just want the problem fixed and we'll check box or problem solve our way all day long without surrendering to the truth that Jesus is the only solution. Imagine you're working in the Midwest heat and humidity. You get to a place where you'll take just about anything to quench that thirst. It's hot. Soda, sports drinks, juices, they may keep you going, They may keep you going, but they certainly don't quench your thirst as much as the pure water we were made to consume. It's kind of like Esau in the pot of stew. He was in such a state and his flesh had such a hold on him that he quickly exchanged his birthright for a pot of stew. Had he thought for a moment about what he was doing and discerned his actions a bit, he probably would have chose differently. But he didn't, and Eve didn't, just the same as we don't either. We like instant gratification. We like instant satisfaction. I can't stand being hungry or thirsty. We're thirsty and we want it quenched. So naturally, 
We look to the here and now, reaching for whatever is going to get the job done quickest or what we think will satisfy that craving. What we're looking to satisfy, however, isn't really a physical appetite. It's that spiritual appetite I've mentioned, the one that we've misplaced, we've misunderstood. We look to fulfillment, not to Jesus, our fountain of living water, but we look to those broken cisterns because they appear to offer a quick solution. Our cisterns don't take the form of fruit like Eve's did. Ours more often are made of flesh, dug out by a man's hand. More so, they're in the form of the pursuit of wealth, climbing the corporate ladder, acceptance of our peers, position, title, seeking recognition, obtaining popularity, drugs, alcohol, appearance, athletics, Maybe we want fame. Maybe we're looking for a certain status on social media. Maybe we're seeking honor, pleasure, friendship, traditions. We can't even stop there. These broken cisterns can also take the form of our thoughts. We can have an experience and our mind can become a broken cistern where we're going to and we're going back to a painful experience over and over and over again. And there we are. We drink from that cistern, the one that's filled with bitterness and bondage and anger, sadness, depression. All of these things, though, they're limited. How often have we turned to them and rather than feeling our thirst for success, connection, value, whatever, they leave us stressed out, striving, not satisfied. We're striving to work harder. We're pouring more hours into our workday. We move forward with a checkbox mentality of sorts, thinking, done it, now on to the next thing, and accomplishment becomes our idol. We may receive the recognition we thought we wanted and the status on social media, the applause of man that we were looking for, but there's still something missing and we can't quite put our finger on what is it. We think we found the answer when we pursue all of these different things. We think that we found satisfaction and perhaps we have for a moment, but in the end we find we're still thirsty. It's because we've run from cistern to cistern only to find we are unfulfilled and unsatisfied. We are thirsty. Some of these things, they can begin in innocence. They aren't necessarily evil in and of themselves, but they can very quickly morph into a broken cistern that we go to attempting to define ourselves. Rather than turning to the living water, to Jesus, the one who is our definer, sustainer, provider, we can go to these things. Let's think for a second. How many times have we wondered, if I just get that job or that promotion, then life will be good. If I could just fit into that friend group, then I'll be happy. If I could just make this amount of money, then I'll have what I need. Or how many of us have had a stressful day and thought to ourselves, I just need a break. We know the word is our lamp. We know it's our light. We know we need to go to Jesus. We know we need to take our cares to him. We know prayer is what we were called to do, but instead we run to our phone and we start drinking from that broken cistern. And rather than feeling fulfilled, we feel stressed out because of all the chaos we read about on social media, or we feel like we're not enough because of the comparison thinking it can trigger. What about those times when we run to the ear of a friend and that friend may be helpful to encourage us, but it's not the satisfaction we would receive had we first gone to Jesus. 
These are just a few examples. We do it so often and it's so natural. We don't even think about it. We just do it like Esau with his birthright and Eve with the fruit. Have you ever noticed after you drink a soda or a sports drink, have you ever noticed you're still thirsty? It reminds me of all these things I just mentioned. These things are good. I don't demonize them necessarily, but they certainly don't quench our thirst. When it comes to quenching our thirst, there is nothing like that tall glass of water, just like there is nothing to take the place of Jesus. He is that fountain of living water that we're tempted to exchange. He is our life-giving source. He is our fountain. In the New Testament, we find Jesus, he's referring to himself as the water of life. He says, if any man thirst, spiritual thirst, let him drink from me. Jesus said to the um, Samaritan woman, let him that is a thirst come and drink of the water of life freely. Did you hear that? Our God said, drink of the water of life freely. His offering is more than we need. Abundance, a source that we can go to confidently knowing it doesn't have to be rationed out. We don't have to wonder if there will be enough because he said to drink freely. In this portion of scripture, we see a powerful interaction between Jesus and a woman who has done her share of running to broken cisterns. His encounter with her takes place in Samaria. She's a Samaritan woman belonging to a group of people the Jews despised. But just as Jesus shows us time and time again, he is not a respecter of persons, and his love reaches for all people. This encounter destroys every thought for those of us who feel unworthy of the living water, thinking our only option is the broken cistern. This woman, she's going to the well. She's got her water pot, and there she is looking for water in the heat of the day. He's talking to her about wells and water. He says to her, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a water springing up into everlasting life. He says to her and she responds, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. It's at this point after he's already offered her this living water that Jesus reveals he knows she's been drinking from some broken cisterns. She has got a past. She was looking for satisfaction in relationship. That has all failed her, and she's living in the midst of another one that is downright inappropriate. He told that to her after he offered her that water. Friend, the living water is available whether you are cleaned up or not. The offer is on the table before you have to fix anything. He reveals to her that he is the Messiah and he's offering her something that is going to be more fulfilling and quench that thirst more than that well that she came to draw water from and more than those relationships she's been running after. In that moment, we see her excitement. She is overwhelmed by what she has just heard. So overwhelmed that the thirst that initially brought her to that well is forgotten. We know this because she leaves behind that water pot. She has no need any longer because she has just exchanged it for the living water that he offered her. I want to drink from that fountain, don't you? That fountain that causes us to forget the hamster wheel of this world. 
The culture that leaves me thirsty and all the hustle, the strife, the never-ending climbing, trying to get to that mountain of satisfaction. I don't want to drink from cisterns that leave me thirsty. I want the fountain of living water that sustains me and causes me to turn from that broken cistern and run to the fountain. Jesus tells us plainly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. He did not say, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after status, social acceptance, control, wealth, prestige, romantic love, ambition will be filled. No, he said those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God is righteous. Our righteousness comes only through our faith in Jesus. It is not man-made at all. It is God-given and happens only through our relationship with him. Only through our relationship with him. A question for us to process and pray over. What am I hungry and thirsty for? Have I, without realizing it, turned to these things rather than Jesus? Guys, I tell you the truth. I'm not coming to you as someone who has everything figured out by any means. Professing perfection? No, not at all. I'm coming to you as someone who has done my share of drinking or trying to drink from a broken cistern. In fact, this study has led me to see a couple that have gone undetected until now. I'm so thankful for those moments of beautiful correction that come from Jesus. I don't always like them. I don't always like them at all. But I am indeed thankful for those times when it's like he's saying, wait a second, daughter, come closer. Let, Let me show you something. There's a better way. As you pray over this question with purity in your heart, God's gonna reveal what you're truly hungry and thirsty for. And when he does, don't feel ashamed and don't feel condemned. Those feelings don't come from Jesus. Feel grateful that Jesus, the God of all creation, is turning you to a source of fulfillment rather than a cheap, unsatisfying stand-in. Thank him for opening your eyes and take time to repent for placing your hope and trust in something other than him. Repentance these days is not something that anybody wants to talk about ever. And its lack of popularity is hurting us as a people. We can't make it into heaven without it. The scripture is very, very clear. You know, maybe you're listening to this today and you've got no idea and you're wondering, what is repentance? Repentance is a change in our mind that results in a change in our actions. We are called to be hearers and doers of the word. True repentance involves turning from evil to turn to good. We must repent. When we apply it here, we see we have to change our minds about these broken cisterns we've been drinking from, looking to for fulfillment, our rejection of Jesus as the fountain of living water, and with our actions, turn to him. There has to be an action here. Repentance is a recognition that says, wait, I've been looking at the wrong thing, and then embraces a new way of thinking, and that has Jesus at the center of it. This can be a hard thing. It can be a super hard thing because, ladies, our flesh is thick. It's a habit changer, an acquired taste of sorts. It reminds me of water. Water, for some, it's an acquired taste. It can take time to reshape our thinking, just as changing a habit takes time and persistence. But it's worth every moment spent in prayer and allowing the Lord to rewire our mind and our processes. My husband and I were talking about this podcast before I recorded it, and he mentioned to me 
For him, drinking water is easier when he's at the office than it is at home. This statement hit me as so profound. Isn't that the truth? When it comes to turning to Jesus as our center and our source, it can be so much easier in some atmospheres than others. Difficulty, though it doesn't give us a license to give up, it's eye-opening proof letting us know sometimes we have got to be more intentional about this turning, and it requires more thought and effort than others. But we aren't left to go it alone. God's desire is to help us change, and he wants, he longs to be invited in and to take every step of the way with us. How beautiful for us to be able to say to the Lord just what that Samaritan woman said, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Lord, I don't want to go to these broken cisterns, trying to draw water only to come, come up dry and thirsty again. I want to turn to you, that salvation that is found in you. I want that to quench me, that thirst inside of me. Help me to turn to you. I don't want to thirst any longer. Psalms chapter 46 tells us that God is our refuge and strength. Cold hard truth, hewn out broken cisterns, they still had a use. They hold no promise of hope and future. Their results are merely temporary. They're in the here and the now, not eternal. That's not somewhere we want to put our hope. We want our hope in life eternal by putting our trust in the only one who saves, the one with an eternal result, which is Jesus. This week, I watched my son and my husband. They were playing around in our kitchen. I watched as my son, he climbed up on a chair and without any forewarning at all, he jumped at my husband. My heart nearly stopped, and my husband and I looked at each other with one of those oh-my-goodness looks as my husband caught him. Thinking on it later, I was awestruck as I thought there was no consideration. My son did not wonder, am I too much? Is dad strong enough? He believed and he didn't doubt. He knew with certainty that his dad would catch him. In that moment, I was, as I was processing that, I felt the Lord speak to me so profoundly. This is what I want from you. This is childlike faith, trusting and believing that I've got you. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Our own understanding quickly draws us to look at those broken cisterns. But God's word promises us in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. These cisterns, those are carved out by the hand of man. We are not the answer to our emptiness. God is. Friends, as we wrap this episode up, let's take these verses with us. Let's trust Jesus to be our center, our life-giving source. And let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 9. One of my favorites. I have so many favorites of scripture, but this one is like ranks among the top. It says, And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live, whither the river cometh. Guys, Everything lives where the river runs. Jesus is that river. He is that fountain. 
the continual flow, the life-giving, thirst-quenching provider we need that we are so desperately searching for. Let's choose him. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I pray you were encouraged by the message you heard today. And I pray that the choice before you, the one that leads to Jesus, is shining bright in front of you. Until next time, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. Let's be diligent. And let's be the she's that choose Jesus.